In medieval times, men, every man, had to practice archery. And the yew trees that uh, grow in churchyards provided the wood for the bows, so that all men over 14 years of old had to practice for at least two hours a week, practice their archery, and they were overseen by the clergy. So I thought perhaps maybe that should be one of our connection groups going forward that uh, uh, could be a bit like this. But, uh, you know, why were they practicing their fighting skills? Because they wanted to be able to defend themselves against attack. Medieval, medieval warfare, like all warfare, was vicious and the archer had a long-range advantage. The Bible tells us, as we've been seeing over the last few weeks, that we are in a spiritual battle. It is unseen, but it is equally deadly to any physical battle that we see. So the first verse from the Bible, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. This is no afternoon athletic contest that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps, a life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. This is not a one-off fight that's going to be over quickly, but something that affects us every day, right through the day, and will continue until the day we die. And you've probably felt some of the battles during the war. They vary with intensity, don't they? But they are all very real. Now, last time I spoke, I gave you some ideas for how to overcome temptation. And this week, I want to look at how we can build a spiritual refuge, making our homes a place of safety, a place where God's presence is, a place where we are protected from attack. When Moses was walking through the desert, guiding the sheep to pasture, he saw a bush that was burning up. Uh, well, it was burning, but it didn't burn up. And so he, he went over to have a look at it. And as he approached, God spoke to him in an audible voice through an angel and told him to take off his shoes because the place where he was standing was holy ground. And so that was symbolic. It was holy ground. Later on in the Bible, we're told in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. You don't belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honour God with your body. God wants our lives, our bodies, but also where we live, where we work, to be holy ground. So when you think about your home, Is it holy ground, or would God be saddened by what he found there? This is important in its own right, because it affects our relationship with God, but it also has a huge impact upon the spiritual battle as well. And so I've called today's talk, Building a Spiritual Refuge. The first heading, for those of you taking notes, is build Build a Pure Household. You may be familiar with the story of Job. In Job chapter 1, verse 1, we're told Job was blameless and upright. He feared God and he shunned evil. He was very careful, in other words, in the way that he lived. And so, for example, right at the end, towards the end of the book, in chapter 31, verse 1, he says, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a girl. 
very deliberate, very aware of the spiritual battle that he was in, very aware of how just looking at certain things could open him up to uh, being vulnerable. But Job was also aware that his children might not have been quite so careful as he was. And so on a regular basis, he would pray for them. He would offer sacrifices for them, just in case any of them had done something wrong. He did everything he could to stay close to God himself, but also to protect his family. As the head of the household, that was part of his job, to look after his family. And in the story of Job, we're given a rare insight at this point. And we see that Satan was unable to touch Job's household because he was a godly man. Satan said it was as though God had put a hedge of protection all the way round Job and everything that he owned. So in Job chapter 1 verse 10, Satan says to God, Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands, so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. It's a picture for us of what is possible. If it was possible for Job under the Old Covenant in the Old Testament, what we have from Jesus onwards with the New Covenant, we're told it is based on better promises. If he could have it, then this is available for us as well. Job was careful how to follow God. And he didn't allow any evil or unclean thing into his house. Because when we allow wrong things into our lives, the hedge of protection can be broken down and Satan can get his hooks into us and he can start to manipulate us. Look at what Jesus had to say about this in John chapter 14 verse 30. He said, the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold on me. But the world must learn that I love the Father and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Satan had no hold over Jesus. If you look at the the Greek there, it literally means he has nothing in me. There are no hooks, Jesus is saying. Satan has nothing he can manipulate me with at all. Because Jesus had been obedient to the Father. You see that there as well. I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. That's the way to live uh, so that Satan can't get hold of us. And Jesus' obedience was motivated by love, not by legalism. It was based upon the fact that God the the Father loved him unconditionally and his obedience came from that, not trying to earn God's love. We can have the same protection over our homes, whether we're single or married, if we follow Jesus and Job's example of purity. So build a pure household is my first recommendation. The second thing is to remove the dirt. Before Jesus came, worship took place in the temple in Jerusalem. And God instructed people what could and could not happen there. But over the years, people moved away. They drifted from worshipping God and they started to worship false gods and they completely lost track of who they were meant to be worshipping. The land of Israel became full of shrines and places of false worship. The people of Israel took on the sexually deviant practices of the nations around them. Purity was out of the window and the temple had become full of false altars. I expect you can see the same trends in our society today. 
But occasionally there was a leader, a king, who got it right. So King Hezekiah called the leaders together in 2 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 6. He said, purify yourselves and purify the temple of the Lord, the God of your ancestors. Remove all the defiled things from the sanctuary. Our ancestors were unfaithful and did what was evil in the sight of the Lord our God. They abandoned the Lord and his dwelling place. They turned their backs on him. That's why the Lord's anger has fallen upon Judah and Jerusalem. Hezekiah cleansed the temple. He removed the shrines, the foreign altars, the sacred stones that uh, Israel, where Israel had been worshipping. He banished the shrine prostitutes. He got their morality back in line as well as making sure that worship was sorted out as well. Today, just try and imagine this. Uh, imagine if Stonehenge was still used for pagan worship, Hezekiah would have destroyed it. That was, that was how radical what he did was. You can imagine the outcry. But we're told that we no longer rely on a physical building to worship God. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? For God's temple is sacred and you are that temple. And so just as Hezekiah removed the dirt from the temple and from the land, we need to remove the dirt from our lives. Because what we do affects us. It also affects our buildings that we live in. Have you been to homes that feel very peaceful? Or have you entered a room and felt a really tense atmosphere? What we do can have an impact. It has a residue on the places where we've been. When uh, we were at Headington School up until uh, the end of July, the chaplain there used to say that he could tell when we'd been in the building. He could feel the difference in the atmosphere in the building simply because we had been there worshipping. That's the impact that it has. So, number three, dedicate the place to God. Part of our relationship with God is that we dedicate ourselves to him. We surrender our lives, our hopes, our fears, our ambitions, our finances, everything to him. But we can also dedicate our buildings to him, whether that be our homes or our workplaces or whatever. When the temple in Jerusalem was first built, Solomon dedicated it as a place to be holy, a place to be set apart for God's use. That's what it means to be holy. 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 63, the king and all the Israelites dedicated the temple to the Lord. They said, we want this to be a special place. We want this to be a place where we meet with God. We don't want it to be cluttered with all sorts of other things. We don't want other things to get in the way of our relationship with God. This is a place where God is worshipped. And God showed that he liked that, that it was a really good idea and it was a good thing to do. Uh, They'd put a lot of effort, a lot of expenses into that building to make it special. And as they dedicated the building to God, his glory came, his His power, his presence filled the building so powerfully that people couldn't even enter the building. And those who were in the building had to be flat on their faces because that was the only appropriate response to being there. And it was God saying, you got it right, well done. This is what this building is meant to be for. 
I think our lives should be like that. That we carry God's presence because of the purity and the holiness that's in our lives. But also I think our buildings can be like that. Our house had, uh, before we bought it, been a place of discord, drugs, marital feuding, and uh, then it was repossessed and for a good six months had squatters in and out of it. So what kind of atmosphere do you think it would have? Well, when people came, come to visit us, as soon as we moved in, people commented on how peaceful the house was and what a lovely atmosphere it had. And that was simply because we prayed through the house, just as we do with any building that we have. We prayed through the building. We said, God, we want this to be your building. We know that you've given it to us, but it's really yours. And so we want you to come and fill it. We want you to clean out everything that is uh, not of you. And we want your presence here. And we ask for your angels to come and stand guard over this place. And that was what made the difference. Everything of evil had to leave. And uh, we do that when we come into the buildings that we rent. As we come in, we pray for God's cleansing because we don't know what's been happening here in the school. Uh, We know there are some very godly people who are here, but we know there are probably some who aren't. And so who knows what's been going on? Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I urge you, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, Holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Yes, worship is when we sing songs and that's good and that's wonderful. But worship is so much bigger than that. And it's when we get our lives in right relationship with God that that worship really starts to overflow when we sing to him. We dedicate our bodies, our minds, our emotions, every part of us to be for God's service. And we can dedicate our buildings in that way too. I told you about how we prayed in our house when we moved in there. Uh, I do that when I go and stay in a hotel or in someone else's house. Because again, you don't know what's been welcomed there. It's just uh, a practice that, that I have. And... Uh, It was something my dad taught me, and uh, I remember him saying on one occasion, he was, I think he was here in Oxford, it might might have been here or somewhere else, he was helping with a mission, and he was staying in one of the rooms, and he had to keep the light on all night because of the evil presence that was there. Um, We don't have to put up with that. So he learned to, to deal with the, these things. And so any of us can, deal with, can do that with our homes, with our places of work. We have authority as God's children to be people who bring influence into our society. Not that we are people who are afraid of what's going on in society, but there, even though there are some pretty fearful things going on. But we're the ones who should be bringing the change. We bring God's presence with us. And so that should make a difference to the place where we work or the gym that we go to or even the shops that we enter into. Number four, maintain protection. Proverbs 33, sorry, Proverbs 3, verse 33. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the righteous. Do you want God to bless you or to oppose you? If we want our homes to be blessed, we need to make sure we continue in his ways. It's very simple. 
So here are some uh, suggestions for you for uh, how you maintain protection over your household, your family, whether you want to think of it as the physical buildings or the, just the, the covering that you, you give. So the first one is be quick to get right with God. Job kept God's blessing on his home by keeping short accounts with God and covering for the wrongdoing of his children, as I mentioned. Job 1 verse 5. Early in the morning he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular custom. We also know that none of us is without fault. It's not just others who need the covering. John chapter 1 verse 9, 1 John 1 verse 9. If we say that we've not sinned, we are fooling ourselves and the truth isn't in our hearts. But if we confess our sins to God, he can always be trusted to forgive us and take our sins away. So we keep short accounts with God. And we just, as we become aware of something, we just say, oh, Jesus, I'm sorry that I did that. And as soon as we say that, he says, I forgive you. Because forgiveness is there waiting for us to access. So we can talk to God about that, but as we've said recently, there is also power in confessing to each other. And uh, we're commanded to do that. So be quick to get right with God. Uh, Next one is make your home a place of prayer and worship. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 16. Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. These things change the atmosphere of a place. We know that prayer and worship are very powerful. They are channels through which God's power and mercy pour. That's why we uh, want to strengthen the prayer that we have as a church. So there's the the prayer emails that go out during the week that you can sign up for, both to pray for our church and our family, but also to pray for our teams uh, working in the three Persian countries where we work as well. Uh, you might also like to think about keeping a worship mp3 playing at all times especially if you've been going through problems because worship is powerful worship not just when it's sung but even recorded worship is still powerful and it can change the atmosphere in a place during as we were worshiping this morning uh, god reminded me of this note that i made it's from a, a book by dallas willard who's a was a very wise guy. He said, Worship is the single most powerful force in completing and sustaining restoration of the whole person. It subdues every evil tendency. Worship is at once the overall characteristic of the renovated thought life in the safest place for the human being to be. Worship is powerful. So make your place, make your home a place of prayer and worship. Uh, I've got two more for you. Next one is exercise spiritual authority. We all have spiritual authority from our relationship with Jesus, and we can tell demonic forces to go away. Ephesians 6, verse 16 says, Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. We don't have to live in fear of satanic attack. Yes, it's going to come. But the promise here in Ephesians 6 is that no matter what Satan throws at us, no matter how vicious or crafty it may be, we can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Every attack can be thwarted. So we don't have to live in fear. 
That's the authority that every single one of us has as a child of God. But God has also given different kinds of authority to different people and so some people have more authority and he expects them to use that authority to cover uh, their people. So parents, for example, are the head of their households. They need to take that authority seriously. Uh, The buck stops with the husband. He needs to lead spiritually. Some women need to ease off and allow their husbands to be able to lead and bless them. Those of us who are in leadership, uh, whether that's in the church or in secular leadership, we need to do the same. We use the authority that God has given us to cover other people and to bless other people. And so often the problems that we see in, in a business, in a school, in a hospital, wherever it may be, they're not just physical problems, they're spiritual things as well. And you'll only solve the, the physical problem when you deal with the spiritual thing as well. I've told this story before, but uh, Yongi Cho in his uh, mega church in Korea, uh, they ran a newspaper and there was a dispute with the staff and uh, the staff were again to go out on strike and not not the best thing for a Christian organisation to have this kind of dispute and as he prayed about it he said this is being caused by an evil spirit coming against the newspaper it's not actually about what's happening on, on the shop floor this is a spiritual problem that you need to deal with And so he said, in Jesus' name, I bind the spirit of whatever it was that is coming against this newspaper. I break its power in Jesus' name and I I command it to be gone. The next morning, the the problem completely resolved itself and uh, everybody went back to work and was completely happy. Because it wasn't just a relationship problem, it was a spiritual problem that needed to be dealt with. Thomas White said, Your home can be an oasis of the Lord's presence, available for spiritual refuge, family, worship, the nurture and instruction of children, and witness to unbelievers. So those of you sharing a house, it's true for you guys as well. Last one. Confront ungodly values. Joshua 24, verse 15. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Your household needs to make a clear stand against evil. Or if you're sharing with people who don't follow Jesus, you know, you have a limited amount that you can do, but you can still do a certain amount. Now that evil may come in a number of different ways. For example, uh, we all get things wrong, don't we? We're all broken people. We need to help each other to defeat gossip, lying, greed, lust, rage. We can't allow these things room in our homes. And so when we see them there, we need to take quick action to deal with them. And uh, whether that's confessing our sin, as I've mentioned, or uh, speaking the truth in the most loving way possible, as the Bible says, that we go and say to someone, I think, uh, I think that wasn't quite true, was it? Or uh, you, can, you can think it through. Evil can easily be channeled into our homes through television and the internet. We need to be prepared again to confront each other lovingly about what we think is wrong. 
if you share a house, you can tell your friends. If you think that they're watching something that is harmful or just marginally unhelpful but still ungodly, because those values will take root. Because what you give yourself to is what, uh, what you get more of. It grows. Tell your children what they can and can't watch. Make sure that they don't have a television or a computer in their bedroom. It isolates them, it breaks up the family, and it encourages them, it gives them permission to watch unhelpful things. And there is so much pressure on them in school and in the rest of society to do that, that we need to protect our children. The internet is potentially the most harmful. The access to information can be fantastic, can't it? But it can also be incredibly unhelpful. One in ten websites is pornographic. It's secret. You don't have to go down to the shop anymore to buy something. No one sees what you do on the internet. Um, I've set uh, a post to go on Facebook at midday, so you've got a few minutes before that's going to go. But I've put some suggestions on there for how to help protect your home, which includes being careful about using uh, which internet service providers you use, where you position your uh, computer, the accountability software that you use. Uh, I have installed on my computers my iPad and my phone uh, Covenant Eyes, which comes from that quote from Job. And it uh, records every single website I go to, and it sends a report to two people. Mandy's one of them, and uh, we, have them, we have the same thing on the church computer, and so it'll pick up uh, gambling, violence, pornography, that kind of thing, because we need to be able to protect each other. Matthew 12, verse 30. This is war, and there is no neutral ground. Your home, your place of work, the place where we meet together, they are all part of the battleground. They can be holy ground, or they can be defiled by evil things. And so that's why every week when we meet here, we gather to pray 9.30 until 10 o'clock in order to clean out anything that would oppose God and uh, would stop the Holy Spirit having freedom to move here. And you're welcome to come and join us. You can pop in for just a few minutes. But uh, we pray at half past nine every Sunday. But, and I've noticed there are times when we've really broken through in the prayer room and worship from the first note is at a different level from the weeks when we haven't broken through. It's really nice leading worship when you're on one of those weeks. God gives us the example of Job, a holy man who felt repelled by evil and prayed for his household. Or maybe he didn't always feel repelled by evil. Uh, He was human just like the rest of us, but he did his best. Our bodies are temples of God's Holy Spirit. God intended for us, he created us to be holy, to live in holy places where his presence can be felt. You know, quite often when we're doing healing on the streets, we're there in the middle of Corn Market and people walk past and then they turn around and they come back again. And they say, I felt something as I walked past. Of course they did. God was there because we were there. We want places where it's easy to be intimate with God and where we have safety. 
So if any of you or any of your children are having bad dreams, having nightmares, uh, that's part of the battle. We can deal with that. Just get somebody to pray for you and those can be stopped. So remove the dirt from your homes and from your lives. Ask God to take up residence. Welcome him first thing every morning. Jesus, you're so welcome. Holy Spirit, come. And then you jump in the shower. Allow God to give you that hedge of protection by filling the buildings with prayer and worship, by not allowing evil influences in, and by using the authority and powerful weapons that Jesus has given us. Occasionally when certain people have been to our house, maybe for a ministry session or something, uh, we actually pray for God to cleanse the house again, because we don't want what they brought with them, and uh, that we've just got out of them. That needs to go from our house as well. 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 3, last verse. The Lord is faithful and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. But we do have to cooperate with him. So there's, there's loads more that could be said on that subject, but that's all we have time for this morning. Uh, you have a chance to talk about this again in your connection groups uh, this week for the next few weeks. But let's stand together, shall we? Can you come and join me? Ellie, can you come as well? (coughs) Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We ask that you come and fill us now. And we ask that you forgive us for anything, uh, any area where we've rebelled against you, anything that we've welcomed into our lives or into our homes that dishonours you in any way. We ask that you forgive us. So you don't have to dredge through, but if anything comes to mind, just lay that before God. He'll take it. You don't need it. You don't want it. And in Jesus' name I say that you're forgiven. I break the power of every sin that you've committed, every area where you've rebelled against God, whether it's doing things that are wrong or whether it's not doing the right things. You're forgiven now in Jesus' name. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask that you come and cleanse us, that you come and refresh us. We want your life to flow through us again in every part of our being, in our minds, in our emotions, in our bodies, in our spirit, in our soul, whatever categories there are, in our finances, in our relationships, as we sleep, as we wake, as we work, as we play, as we eat, as we make love, whatever it is. Lord, we want you there. We want you in everything. And we declare that there is no area of our lives that is not sacred. So Holy Spirit, come. Just take a few moments to engage with the Holy Spirit. You may find it helpful to close your eyes, put your hands out in front of you, because Jesus has a gift for you today. You're... Loving Heavenly Father has an amazing gift to give you. We don't know what it is quite yet until you receive it. Uh, It's a bit like Christmas every day. Uh, He has wonderful gifts to give. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you.
You can see the Holy Spirit on a number of you. Uh, In some cases it's very visible, in other cases not so visible. It doesn't really matter. We receive by faith. So whether you're feeling something or not feeling something, don't worry about it. Just be open to Jesus. Because you can't come into God's presence with an open heart and not be changed. So whether you feel it or don't feel it, don't worry. You may just be tired today and you don't feel it in the way that you might do some other times. But God is here. God is here to bless. He's here to bring healing. He's here to bring restoration. One of the girls at Healing on the Streets yesterday said that there's been some restoration in her family and for the first time in eight years she's going to go back and see her parents and spend Christmas with them. That's the kind of reconciliation that God brings. He is a God who restores. He's a God who blesses. There is no di- a problem that is too difficult for him. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Start responding to Jesus now if that's, if that's for you. There are quite a number of people who are weary. You're feeling really burdened at the moment, feeling a bit wrung out, and there is refreshing for you this morning. So receive that refreshing. Allow the Holy Spirit to come like rivers of living water welling up to eternal life. And the life that God gives is a full and abundant life. It refreshes our thinking, it refreshes our bodies, it refreshes our emotions, every part of us. So just welcome him, just say, just say yes to him. You don't need to pray, just welcome him. Holy Spirit, come. So Jesus, we say yes to that, and we ask that you release uh, layer upon layer of blessing, starting at this very moment. Maybe some of you would like to just turn and pray for Joe. Uh, we release God's blessing into your life more. Uh, we say yes to that prophetic word. We say yes to the truth of it. We know it's true from the Bible. And so we say yes. Uh, Father, we ask for more of your blessing for Joe. 
and for the children and for Johannes as well. We ask, Lord, that you would bring him to know you, that he would fall madly in love with you. And uh, we speak that blessing over that family in Jesus' name. Um, lady at the front here in a Some of you pray for them. Thank you for their Shall faithfulness. Nearby. Thank you for their uh, the love that they have for you. That when they they look with eyes of faith, that they see with eyes of faith, and not with their natural eyes. Father, we just uh, we just look for that blessing being poured down right now from heaven. The storehouses of heaven open, just like a grain silo, just with the the masses of grain pouring in and pouring in and pouring in. Father, would you heal their hearts and comfort them as well? Yeah, we bless you. We bless you. Some of you are sensing God stirring today. It may be, uh, uh, you know, just internally you're feeling something stirring up. Uh, That's the Holy Spirit working, and uh, He hasn't finished. Some of you may feel an anointing on on you physically in some way. It could be uh, on your hands, on your forehead, um, uh, uh, shaking or something like that. If, if that's happening for you, it means, again, God's doing something. So it would be really good to be able to pray for you and to cooperate with what God's doing. Some of you may be thinking, I haven't felt a thing. I haven't a clue what's going on. We'd love to pray for you as well so that you uh, don't leave here discouraged this morning. Um, but we would love to, um, le- for you to be able to leave here this morning with a deposit of the Holy Spirit to bless you. And uh, it is 12 o'clock, which means children need to be picked up, but God hasn't finished yet. So formally, we're going to close the meeting. If you'd like prayer for any reason, grab somebody near you or come down to the front. If you don't know who to ask, just come to the front and we'll link you up with someone. But God bless you. Have a wonderful week. And uh, we'll see you at the prayer meeting tonight. And uh, then we'll see you back here again next Sunday, 10 o'clock for coffee, 10.25 up here for worship.